As a team leader, I face new challenges every day. Fortunately, I found Teams Global. Their e-learning platform makes it easy to take hyper-relevant courses like giving and receiving feedback, ownership to action, and managing virtual teams. Teams Global allows me to learn on my schedule and at a price I can afford. Check out Teams Global today at T-E-A-M-E-S-Global.com and become the leader that your team needs you to be. Teams Global has a special gift for you, the listeners of the Building Teams podcast. Use the code PODCAST10, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0, when checking out for any Teams Global course for a 10% discount on your order. Sign up for a course today. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co., where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome into the Building Teams with Teams & Co. podcast. I'm here with Alex Embaricas. Hope I didn't uh, butcher that last name, uh, but the the CEO of Remotion and Alex. I've been checking out your company, your LinkedIn. We had a fantastic conversation in the pre-show, and just really excited to get to know you more. Welcome into the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mike. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's such an interesting uh, idea that you you have, and you've got a really fascinating story. So I'd love to start there. Can you uh, just help our listeners understand a little bit more about? who you are, your your personal background, and and ultimately what led you to starting the company. For sure. Uh, so I'm calling out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm co-founder of a software company called Remotion. And in a nutshell, Remotion is a, is a virtual office that helps leaders like us build closer, more effective teams. I'm sure we'll get, we'll get all into that. But I, I think the, the thing I was telling you about before the show is, uh, yeah, I have a kind of a complicated uh, heritage. I like to just say I'm I'm a world citizen. So <laughs> I'm half Greek, half Malaysian. Like grew up in Asia, the Bahamas, Switzerland. Um, came to the states just f- for college, actually, and did not expect to be here. Some twelve or so years later, uh, obviously, I'm enjoying the states. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was interesting. I I kind of accidentally got into software when I came to the states. I came because I wanted to build military aircraft. Funnily enough, and I thought America had the best ones. Wow, uh, and then I realized I couldn't work on them because I couldn't get security clearance because I'm not American. Oh wow! Uh, and so I switched to software, and uh, I was in San Francisco working as a product manager at Dropbox, and it was a great job, and it paid super well, and the people there were great. And all of a sudden, my plans of moving back to Europe just started vaporizing. I, I felt like it was so hard to imagine leaving, um, and that kind of led me to to working on Remotion here today. Uh, the longer I spent working in San Francisco, the more I realized that this type of work was was great. But it was kind of a shame to be having all of these products that are really shaping the world built out of like one city with people of like one, you know, mindset, basically. And I started noticing that there were all these people like me who had moved from wherever they'd come from for their jobs. And so they didn't have like a family community there. Most of their community was from work. And I started noticing like, wow, we're all like friends with people with the same jobs as us building these software products that the whole world uses. Wouldn't it be great if actually... People from all over the world, like say North Carolina, could also be contributing to these these products that really shape how so many of us interact. And uh, that led me down the sort of the remote work journey. Started working on Remotion to help remote teams build close, effective teams. 
um, a little bit before COVID, then COVID hit and it's just been this, this crazy journey since then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd love to dig in a little bit more about your your sort of personal background and story and, and growing up in so many different places and having such a unique heritage. Um, I'm sure that you've got a lot of cultural influences that have shaped the way that you see relationship development and team building. How has that you know, influenced your professional journey and, and ultimately uh, deciding to, to start Remotion? Yeah, I think so. I think there's like two, two like really strong things that came out of that. The first is a degree of flexibility mm. that I had to embrace. And the, the other one is actually that from having so many heritages, I developed like this very strong sense of identity that actually hindered my professional development for a while. So I really? guess I'll talk about the flexibility first. Yeah. Uh, you know, like dad is Christian, mother's Muslim. Uh, for them to get married, they both had to convert secretly to each other's religions at the time. And it was like this whole crazy thing. Wow. Uh, and, you know, like I grew up, like our views on religion were, were very flexible. Uh, our views on a lot of things culturally were like, hey, like ultimately this is a different culture trying to achieve the same thing in a different way. Mm. Not a big deal. Right. And so I think for me, that's always helped me be very open minded in the workplace um, around like interpreting other people's behaviors or like other actions. And that's really helped me see just like understand like more diverse perspectives, I guess. But on the other hand, like when you're moving around so much between all these different countries and all these different places, it, you know, you, for example, as a, as a, as a child and as a teenager, I didn't really have the same friend group the entire time. Right. Right. And so you're forming friends with new people, your families are is forming friends with new people. And so there's kind of this uprooting that happens. And as a result, I think my family and I, we developed this very strong sense of identity that was very much like we are us. We're not yeah. specifically like of a certain country or of a certain community. We're just us. And, uh, I remember, you know, in college trying to work more closely in teams or at work. And at one point I found it very challenging to figure out like, where do I assimilate to these cultural practices that this, this company has, because I want to work with these people, if those practices are different than me. And, uh, it, it was quite a difficult journey for me for a while. And at the end, the, the big unlock was doing a study abroad in Japan. Ah. And, uh, all of a sudden I found myself like assimilating to certain Japanese practices, like quite easily. Whereas in the States, I found it harder to follow some American practices. And I was like, why am I so much more comfortable adjusting to the Japanese way than the American way? And mm. I realized that because in America, they also speak English. I was thinking it's like, oh, it's the same place. So I can still be myself. Whereas in Japan, it was so exotic relative to my experience. I was more comfortable uh, figuring out like what's me versus what's just like the culture of where I am. So anyways, after the study abroad experience in Japan, I came back to the States and I was much more flexible with, with like following the way that people around me were doing things. And that, that helped me professionally for sure. Interesting. Yeah. One of the things I think about a lot, and we've talked about in the show a, a number of times is, is this idea of just reflection, like intentional self-reflection. And it sounds like you've done a lot of that to unpack who are you, who's your identity and how does that adjust in certain cultural contexts and and then, you know, what's like authentically you? Um, can you talk a little bit about your process of like learning more about yourself? Yeah, I, I mean, I, so I think there's some people who are who are much smarter and more gifted than me who can do it by themselves. In my case, the process of like figuring that out has always required other people. And, you know, thinking about even like my day to day today, like the way that I continue to reflect on myself and grow is uh, other people push me, right? So I'll be in a conversation with a teammate. And they'll bring up something about me or about the company or about what we're trying to accomplish together. And then I'll feel uncomfortable about that. Right. And then sure. 
and then that's when I, you know, I start digging. But so I, rec- it needs to push from someone else. And then as a, through that feeling of discomfort, I feel like, and discussion around it, we can figure out like, okay, what are the underlying like core values that are shaping why we're behaving a certain way? And then how does that ex- reflecting itself in terms of the, the outward behaviors? Um, there's this really interesting framework called um, the three realities. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Uh, basically, there's this idea that in any interaction between two people, let's say I'm saying something to you, right? There's all this stuff in my head that yeah. I'm using to decide what to do. And then there's all this stuff in your head about how you're interpreting what I'm saying. So those are two different realities. And then there's a reality in between, which is just simply the facts. So sure. um, an example an example of this is, let's say uh, a story that I, I heard is there's a father and every day his daughter gets back from school and the father asks, what did you learn today? Right. And the father's asking that because the father's trying to instill a growth mindset in the daughter. Mm. Right. But all the daughter hears is, what did you learn today? And she doesn't know why he's asking that question. And so in her head, every day getting back from school is like the stressful experience because she knows she's going to be asked, what did you learn today? Interesting. Um, and then to take this example a step further, after the daughter shares what she learned, the father plays devil's advocate to help the daughter realize that they're diverse perspectives to be interpreted. Right. So the, do- the father has all these amazing intentions. But again, the, the shared reality is just this question that is asked. And so in the daughter's head, she may be thinking that she's inadequate because every time she learns something, actually the father disagrees. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, you know, I find that this is a sort of very helpful framework, uh, to, to use whenever there's a, you know, discomfort and interaction between two people that helps us ask the right questions about what's going on underneath. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do you apply that framework at work? Um, the way that we, I think one can apply it at work is by keeping in mind that there are these separate realities between two people. Yeah. So for example, when you're saying something to someone, they might not know why you're saying it. And so if you can frame your intention, like if as a father, instead of just saying, what did you learn today? If I could say, Hey, there's this thing called a growth mindset that I'm trying to help like cultivate in you. So I'm going to ask you this question, right? Or, Hey, there's lots of different perspectives. So I'm going to play devil's advocate, but it's not because I think you're wrong. It's purely because uh, I want to cultivate this this mindset in you of, of like recognizing different perspectives. So as someone saying something, frame what you're saying. That's very helpful if it's around a sensitive area. And then as something receiving something often, like if you start noticing that you feel bad about what you're hearing, maybe you just don't know why the person is saying it. Instead of, instead of allowing those feelings to sort of fester in yourself, you can ask for the framing proactively, right? Like the daughter, I mean, in, in this story, the daughter's 12. So there's like, okay, it right. would be, require a lot of emotional maturity. But for all of us who are professionals, you can ask for that framing. You can ask, hey, uh, you know, when when uh, you play devil's advocate, I it makes me feel inadequate. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, why are you playing devil's advocate? Yeah. Right? And you can ask for the framing there. So seeking to understand the other person's perspective rather than just assuming. Yeah, basically recognizing that the, the realities are different. And so there is an exercise to be had in just understanding the other person's reality and in sharing your own. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. That's super interesting. And I think that has a lot of application in the workplace and also in personal life, right? Like I can think of plenty of exp- of examples with my wife where where I'm saying something and she's interpreting it in a way that's that's different than my intention or vice versa. Totally. And you know, usually it's you know, it's after an argument or something where the next morning we come together and say, "Oh, hey, like t- tell me more about what your intention was, and we don't use those words exactly, but um, that's a really interesting framework. I and I can see 
absolutely the application in, in a lot of aspects of life. Yeah, you know, something I'm actually curious about, and I was, I was thinking about this framework the other day, and then I was recognized, I, I applied it to my personal life as well with my partner. And sure. then I started laughing at myself because I learned this framework in a professional context through huh. some coaching from a group probably very much like Teams Inco. Yeah. And I, I was laughing to myself because I, I'm much more intentional about all these work relationships and like learning all these frameworks with work than I am in my personal life. I don't know, I don't know what that says about me, but, uh, then I apply these things to my personal life. And I was wondering, like, in your work, do you find yourself like teaching all your customers like various things? And and then actually, do you see them using it in their personal lives more? Like, is that a thing that professionals experience commonly? You know, that's a good question. I think I can speak to that more in my role at uh, Keepsake Tales, where, you know, just through years of working with the same team, uh, we've been able to see, you know, I, I think growth in those ways and it's easier for me to see the translation from professional to personal. Uh, most of our teams and co-engagements are, are shorter term. So my mm-hmm. hope and my intention is that, yes, our clients take some of these concepts and these principles that we talk about in facilitated sessions. And there is a lot of application to personal life. And we do talk about that in, in a lot of our client engagements. But, you know, from my and I've learned about a lot of sort of similar like leadership principles in my time with teams and co that I've been able to apply as a leader at keepsake tales and it is interesting you know we we for instance have a very diverse team with a lot of different types of people you know very creatives to very technicals and it's been interesting using uh similar practices to to help break down barriers of communication between for instance how a machine learning expert you know engineering savant talks to uh, an unbelievably talented very creative, you know, artist. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, that's actually very much what we're, what we're at about at Remotion. You know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about how can teams build trust with each other? And, uh, you know, I will, I'll keep the Remotion pitch brief, but basically I think there's, yeah. there's two sides to building trust. There's a lot of very intentional things you can do like team building exercises, even happy hours, right? They're like sort of these scheduled programming. And then there's, just the organic things that happen when you put people together. And when you put people together in a, in a physical office, people just sort of build an affinity in a way that's much, that's very organic. And remotely, I think that's the thing a lot of leaders are struggling with. It's like, hey, I've got all my, my team building activities and my happy hours, but how do I just let things naturally build? Uh, right. How do I put that machine learning expert and that artist together and let them build trust without us having to moderate that? Um, yeah. and so that's, that's what we're trying to achieve in Remotion with our software is giving teams an environment that creates casual conversation that then builds trust. And now, let's hear about the wonderful people that support this podcast. Are you spending more time managing your accounting than you are managing your team? Maybe it's time to bring on a professional to help you. Michelle Trotz and her team are an accounting and consulting firm that specializes in contract accounting, outsourced CFO and consulting services. They give you the time that you need to focus on operating your organization. Give the Michelle Trotz CPA, CFE, PLLC firm a call today to schedule your free consultation at 828-280-2530. Again, that's 828-280-2530. You don't have to run your organization alone. Michelle Trotz is your partner in accounting. 
let's do a deep dive into Remotion and let's start at the beginning. So you were a product manager at Dropbox. Um, yeah. What were some of the initial insights and, you know, did you identify any pain points and do some early customer discovery that eventually led to Remotion? Yeah, so it's it's a crazy story. And again, I'm sure, you know, a better entrepreneur would do it in a more linear way. But uh, I was at Dropbox and I was learning so much. Uh, in particular, one of the the two biggest things I learned were one, just like how to work as part of a high functioning team. Sure. The, the, you know, the team and culture that were amazing. Uh, but two, I got really addicted by this idea of how the software we use every day can really shape the way that we interact with others. Mm. Um, and you know, through that time, um, I remember I've always been somewhat allergic to products like Instagram, uh, where look, a lot of people get a lot of value out of it, right? But that's that's sort of just not me. And I feel like it can lead to a very self-critical set of behaviors, and it can lead to somewhat superficial interactions. And uh, you know, obviously, it'll be different for different people. But on the other hand, I've, I I sort of came to believe that digital technology can really facilitate and prompt deep interactions between people as well. An example is like right now, like what we're doing now is purely possible through digital technology, but this is a deeper conversation that I, I really love and appreciate. Yeah. And so I started thinking about what are the ways where technology can be used specifically to create deeper interactions. And we came to an idea with a couple of friends that was actually gaming related, not for work. Uh-huh. And the idea was like looking at Twitch. I don't know if you're familiar with Twitch, the gaming streaming platform, but there's, there's basically celebrities who stream to the masses okay. and, uh, the best celebrities make you feel like you, the audience, are close to them, but actually you don't know each other at all. And so we started wondering, like, what if we could use the same medium of game streaming to connect friends so that mm. friends could spend time with each other instead of gaming alone when, you know, there are other friends that don't have time to join. And so we worked on that company for a year, raised some money for it, and basically completely failed. Turns out it wasn't a great idea in retrospect uh, to be a standalone <laughs> product. And uh, after that, that quite painful year of trying to do this thing and failing... I felt like I'd learned so much about starting something new that I wanted to try using that knowledge again, and I wanted to try starting something else. Yeah. Uh, so uh, both my co-founders for that company went and got jobs, but I was just wandering the desert by myself for six months trying to find something worth doing. Yeah. Um, and I started working with my current co-founder, Charlie, and we started working on something unrelated to video or connection or anything like that. It was like a you know SaaS, like operational software type thing. Um, we were both in San Francisco and then Charlie's partner got, uh, went, got accepted into a med school in Chicago and Charlie realized he had to move to Chicago as well. Yeah. And so we started figuring out, well, can we co-found a company remotely instead of just hire? We, we were always planning to hire remotely, but could we co-found remotely? And this was yeah. before COVID. And, uh, we went around and got a bunch of advice and the answers were always, no, don't co-found remotely. Like you can hire remotely, but don't co-found remotely. Then we started asking why. And started learning about all the best practices for remote teamwork. And we realized that the companies that had successfully operated remotely before COVID worked with a specific type of culture that they believed was the right answer. And the people who worked at those companies liked those cultures. Yeah. And then the vast majority of other people didn't want to work remotely because they didn't want to have the like very asynchronous, very structured um, culture. They wanted varying degrees of that, right? It may be more flexible, uh, maybe more synchronous time spent together, maybe more casual conversations. Um, and so we decided to work remotely anyways, and just to be trying to use tools to allow us to have our own company culture that we wanted. Tried a bunch of tools, didn't really find that they worked for us, built Remotion on the side as an experiment, and then ended up realizing like, hey, this Remotion thing is quite interesting. Let's just make this the main endeavor of the company. 
And so this was about like six months before COVID. By the time COVID hit, we'd been working on Remotion for a little while. And then when when COVID hit, we realized that there was obviously going to be an incredible applicability of what we built. So then we just doubled down. That's really, really fascinating. You know, I, I'm part of a remote founding team as well. I, I've literally only met my co-founder in person, I think three times. Right. And we've been working together for, you know, two and a half years. And it's one of, I, you know, she's as close as a sister. And, and it's amazing the depth of relationship that you're able to achieve if you're intentional about doing so, even if you don't live in the same place. But yeah, you know, I your value proposition strikes home. I, I spent a lot of years working in the office and there's a lot of just relational things that you can't replicate if you don't see somebody and you know, okay, you know, Brian's going to arrive at around 7.30 and we're going to stop and talk sports for 10 minutes before we log on. There's a lot of those those things that are just really tough to to replicate, you know, over scheduled Zoom calls. So to tell me a little bit more about exactly what Remotion does. And, and I saw the demo on the website, which I would recommend to everybody to go check out. And that's R-E-M-O-T-I-O-N.com and check out the demo. But Alex, if you want to just give a little bit of insight into yeah, sure. the way that the platform works. Cool. So if we go back to the, the, the idea of building trust and the idea that you've got your scheduled stuff, um, like happy hours, which, you know, probably don't, no, you don't do too often because people won't show up otherwise. Right. Um, and then in an office, in a physical office, you would have just casual hangouts that happen naturally. Like no one does anything. All you do is the off as a team leader is you pay for rent for the office and then suggest that people go. Right. Right. Uh, and now stuff just happens. Remotion is basically trying to do uh, a similar thing where you can create an environment as a leader where people will just spend time together. Breaking that down a little bit further. Our success metric for ourselves and our product is, can we create unscheduled casual conversations between two or three people? So outside of your scheduled meetings, can we create small group casual conversation? And because we know that that will lead to trust. So when you install Remotion, uh, what you get is um, a little sidebar on your computer that shows who your team, who your, your teammates and if they're around, kind of like in an office, you can glance over and see, see the people who are at work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that sidebar comes with rooms virtual audio only or audio first rooms. And um, the, the the way that teams get the most value out of Remotion is they hang out in those rooms and we play music for them in the background. And so it's kind of like sitting in an office where someone's just playing some like radio and you're all doing your separate work, but the radio creates this like shared office ambiance, if you will, yeah. that everyone then enjoys. And so we found that if we create these virtual rooms and suggest that teams co-work in them, which is sitting in there mostly on mute, listening to shared music, the music kind of takes the edge off needing to talk. And so you can end up with people in, a sh in a sh the same space with a shared experience where asking how someone's dog or cat or children is as simple as unmuting. Mm. And so we have teams just spending hours a day in these rooms, listening to some music in the background and then unmuting when they want to have casual conversation. And that is, you know, ultimately that leads to like 10 casual chats a day. And that's what you're looking for as a leader to know that your team is, is either collaborating more efficiently on an urgent project or it's just bonding, uh, you know, socially. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And it's, you know, again, I, I resonate with the, the pain point that you identified. And it sounds like that was a, a personal pain point that you guys had, had reflected and, and came to understand some best practices for remote working. Um, what sort of validation did you do in the market before, or, or did you, um, before building out the technology? 
Yeah, I mean, so so first of all, the thing that we have now that's working is absolutely not the same as what we started with. Okay. <laughs> um, and so validation has been coming. We did some validation before we started. Uh, and then we've basically been validating and invalidating the whole way through. So I'll, I'll take you through a little bit of a story, um, which, you know, spoiler, has some moments, some, some ser serious lows where we realized that what we were doing didn't work. Yeah. Um, but the the initial validation is what I described to you. It was me and Charlie trying to figure out if we could co-found remotely, getting all the advice that we shouldn't, learning about why that was true, and then figuring out like, oh, maybe there's a way around this with with intentionality and better tooling. Sure. You know, again, like the initial prototype was built just for me and Charlie. So some of the early validation was just building for ourselves and then building for a small number of, of close friends who we had using the product, like very small, small, small alpha. Yeah, yeah. When COVID hit, we actually felt like our product wasn't ready at all for the mainstream in, in terms of validation or anything. But we figured that we had a responsibility to just put it out there and see what see if people would find it useful. Yeah. Um, and so we we launched ourselves you know, on Product Hunt fairly soon after COVID hit, Product Hunt's a website where people find find products. And um, we actually had immediate traction just off that. And like, there were so many bugs, et cetera, in the product, but people were using the product and getting value out of it. And we ended up raising our Series A somewhat shortly after that. Wow. Um, and, you know, if, if you're interested, we're happy to get into fundraising and why we decided to raise so much money, um, which for us, it felt like a lot. Um, so we had that that validation sort of very quickly without you know, without necessarily pre-planning a lot of it. But what then happened um, is as COVID progressed and the market evolved and people started getting really Zoom fatigued, we actually hit a wall mm. or a ceiling, if you will, where we couldn't get more people to use the product. And when we would pitch people on how remotion would help, uh, they wouldn't, they would think that not only do I not want this, this is actively bad. <laughs> like, I think this is like negative. Really? Um, and the product at the time was different. The product at the time was, marketed as a way to talk faster and be more productive. Okay. So you could click on people and talk to them. There were no rooms. There was no music. It was just like, hey, we're going to show you the people on the side of your screen. You can click on them to talk very quickly. Hmm. Um, and what we realized is that people were feeling sufficiently productive remotely. The, the actual challenge was not being productive. The challenge was building your team, building your team culture and your team relationships. And that's what people wanted. And so early last year, we decided to refocus the entire company towards team culture and team building. Yeah. But we, it was kind of a vague idea. It was like, okay, we know that people come to us because they want a better team culture, but they don't know exactly what we're going to do for them. Like people would, I remember being in onboarding calls and someone would tell me like, hey, I love your website. Feels awesome. I don't actually know what your product does. So can you tell me what it does? Because it look, it seems like it'll be good. And so we had that experience where we would, we would really dig in deeply with those folks um, and try to find what they were looking for. And eventually we realized, oh, okay, what they want, um, we can solve by fostering casual conversation on the team. Got it. So then we fo we tried many, many different ways to do that. And, you know, one of the, the, the sort of classic things that people try to create on their team is a virtual water cooler, if you're a remote team. Yeah. And everyone finds that it doesn't work because no one wants to hang out in the water cooler. Like, what, what does that even mean when you're remote? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we tried that, we tried a lot of things and eventually experimented our way towards this idea of co-working and specifically co-working with music. Mm. And it doesn't work for everyone, but a lot of people like music and a lot of people like the idea of having music playing in the background and in a physical office. Yeah. And we realized that we could, we could fasten onto that. And from there, we just saw the way that the usage in the product worked. And, you know, that's kind of how we got to where we are now. So in a nutshell, a lot of interviewing people. And a lot of including interviews as an explicit part of our onboarding process. So our product, I mean, a lot of users you know, find this inconvenient, but for us, the learnings are worth it for now. 
uh, we hope to get rid of it. But when you start, when you sign up for Remotion, we actually ask if we can talk to you to find out what you're looking for. Um, and that has been, was really helpful when we weren't exactly sure what we should be building. That's, there are so many takeaways there. And I just want to take a second and pull out a few of them. One is the concept of team building. And team building is something that doesn't happen on a remote work offsite for 24 hours where you do team building exercises. And sure, that can be a part of building and developing and fostering a team culture. But so much of it is what happens in authentic conversations and and developing authentic relationships in the workplace, right? Doing the things that everybody's going to do anyway and doing them together. Um, you know, that, that resonates personally. And that's something that we see a lot in our clients' teams go is leaders often want to solve developing team culture. And they say, we're going to do that on a, in a single day offsite on a Friday. And one of the contentions we have is that's not developing cultural competencies for your office. It's, it's almost abdicating that and saying, well, we're going to take care of culture in, in one day. So I love that you guys are, are being intentional about doing that on an ongoing everyday basis. The other thing that I think is so fascinating is the, the commitment to deep customer commitment and seeking and developing and being intentional about creating uh, intense feedback loops where you're going and, and seeking customer insights and then being flexible and adapting to those. And I think that you know so many leaders or build solutions to problems that nobody actually has because they don't have a strong enough view of the customer. So those are a couple of things that from your story and as you talk about remotion, I think are just deeply applicable to all of our listeners, right? If you can seek to create those uh, those atmospheres where your team is building actual culture within the organization, within the workplace, two, staying focused on the customer, developing strong feedback loops, and then three, remaining flexible and adapting what you do in order to deliver what the, what the customer actually actually needs. So um, I can let you keep, keep going and talking more about revolution the company. But yeah. You were talking about team culture being an everyday thing as opposed to a once a month thing, right? With a scheduled event. And to me, uh, I heard from, a, from one of our customers, I heard a really great way of visualizing this. And so the, the exercise is visualize a new hire who just left their job at a different remote company, you know, maybe not permanently remote company, but at least remote right now. Visual, visualize them starting their new day. And so they get to they get to their home office or to whatever table their computer's on. Uh, and they put their hands on the same mouse and the same keyboard and look at the same monitor sitting in the same chair after having done the same morning routine. And then ask yourself, what's going to be different, right? Because they're probably going to open like the same email client and like get into some similar looking docs and the, the question is really like, what will feel different about their experience at your company versus any other company they've been working at? And, um, you know, in the office, this is something that happens somewhat naturally. The office vibe is different. There's different things happening in the office. You see the people. But remotely, how can you pull out the unique factors of your company and make sure that those are experienced on a daily basis? And, you know, some of those things are the people and the way that you as a company facilitate communication between people. Uh, you know, secret is that it's not going to be the scheduled meetings aren't exactly going to be where you're going to notice the biggest differences. And then what else can you do to be different? And so that's something that I think about all the time now with with our product and with any any team we're talking to, even outside of our product. We, we ask them, like, what's unique about your company and could that be experienced every day? Yeah. Yeah. So when you work with organizations, Alex, what are the 
uh, what are the KPIs that when you're selling in to an organization or talking to organizational leaders and decision makers, my guess early was that it was going to be a you know more productivity based metrics and KPIs. How do you quantify and, and help leaders and decision makers see the value in, in what you're building? Yeah, the main KPI for us is actually just engagement by the amount of time that people spend connecting with each yeah. other. Uh, and this is actually a challenge. I think that for for now, all of our customers are leaders who who want to have a more productive, more retentive team. And they understand that the team's relationships drive that. And they understand that team trust drives that, right? And so we come in and we say like, hey, if we can create more casual, small group conversations on your team, that will lead to relationships, which lead to trust, which lead to productivity. And so for now, our customers, they have their own ways of thinking about productivity and relationships. And we don't measure that in a, in a numerical way. And I'm very, I would love ideas. If you have ideas for how we could numerically show success there, would definitely all ears. Uh, but in the meantime, we kind of start with leaders who are convinced that that's true. And so what we show is like, hey, we, you know, we create uh, engagement between your teammates that is happening outside of the schedule. Yeah. Meetings. You know, I, I believe in quantifying when possible and, and when helpful, but then there are some things that I don't know are quantifiable or would be helpful if you if you tried to quantify. So, yeah, I, I don't have any immediate ideas of, of quantifying that value, but there is something that's just true. And I think it, it, everybody that's you know seen the difference between really transactional relationships and, and more authentic relationships would understand, you know, the core value that you guys are, are working to bring. So I'd love to hear what's next. You know, you, you guys did raise a, a good chunk of funding, which congratulations as somebody who's been on the funding path in the past. Uh, it is a challenge. Uh, at least it was for us. So we'd love to hear more about the funding process and, and then what you guys are hoping to do in, in the future. Yeah. Um, so let's see, we could talk about the funding process first. Um, honestly, we raised that amount of money out of a somewhat conservative attitude towards um, our responsibility as founders. You know, I'm a, I'm a first-time manager. I, I view myself still as a first-time founder. And I whenever we hire someone, I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility to, you know, they've joined a startup. It's risky, but I still want to create as much security right. as possible uh, so that they can do the best job and have the best life. And so around the time that we had launched our product and we had that traction with the, the first version of the product, it, it was also the time when no one knew where the economy was going during right. COVID. This is 2020. No one knew what the fundraising environment would be like. And at the time we had, I believe, uh, maybe 18 months of runway for our current team. And, uh, you know, if we definitely didn't want to let anyone go and we were you know, possibly going to hire some more people. And so we realized that, you know, we should probably raise some more money in case this COVID thing is really serious and lasts like for multiple years of a horrible economic yeah. environment. And so I started looking at raising a little bit more money, like, at the time, we'd raised two and a half million dollars, and we started looking at raising like one more million dollars. And as we started doing that and talking to people, our investors were incredibly supportive, like our current investors of doing it. And our lead investor at first round, Finn, had asked, you know, like, hey, while you're doing this, you know, potentially maybe we can ask around. Like, obviously, I'm happy to support you, but you know, maybe there's actually interest given the fact that COVID changes the entire market landscape. Maybe there's an interest in something more, and so maybe you should test the waters there. Um, and that's when we met Sarah at Greylock, uh, who ended up, you know, indeed being interested in, in raising and uh, in, in supporting us to raise more. And so we ended up raising the extra funds kind of out of two realizations. The first was it might take us quite a long time to figure out how to 
facilitate team building and closer relationships, et cetera. It's like a very, it's one of these, our business, I feel like is one where it's not obvious what we should be doing. Uh, and the, the challenge isn't mainly execution. The challenge is both execution and also even figuring out what we should be building in the first place. Yeah. So we wanted to, to have that time to really experiment and get it right before we pushed ourselves to grow. And then the second thing is we wanted to be able to lean in no matter what the economic climate looked like once we found something that was succeeding. And so I'm really happy we did that because, you know, after we raised that and I mentioned we, we actually started seeing the ceiling in terms of our progress and realized we needed to iterate more on the product. And so the fact that we could take many months to, to go back to the drawing board and like look actually at the problem we were solving, which was culture and not productivity, and then try to find ways to actually help teams build that, that was incredible. And we wouldn't have been able to do that without the Series A. So that's why, um, that's why we fundraised that much money. As for what's next for us, well, I really feel like towards the end of last year, we started seeing traction around, around this idea of co-working as a way to build relationships by fostering small group conversations. And we started seeing how we can help teams adopt that. And we started seeing like how we can actually make that work with things like music. And so this year for us is, is sort of a shift in mindset from like the more design mindset of like, what should we have? That's still going to be important. But now we're, I'm trying to spend more of my time thinking about growth. Like how do we get the word out? How do we tell people that there's a way that they can, they can get back some of those organic office conversations, um, yeah. even if they're remote. That's really cool, man. Um, two related thoughts. And then um, I definitely want to be respectful of your time. And I'm just looking at the clock and realizing that I can't believe how quickly this conversation is, has been flying by. Um, but two related conversations. One, what sort of best practices have you guys learned since really being at this and, and being so intentional and experimenting that you think are applicable for all teams, you know, hybrid teams, teams that are that are in person, fully remote teams. So, so let's start there, and, th and then I have a follow up. <laughs> yeah, I figure you're asking like best practices for remote or hybrid. Yeah, culture or building. you know, in person. You know, I'm I'm sure that we have. I, I know that we have listeners who yeah. who go into you know physical office every day, but I'm sure that a lot of the principles that you guys have learned are applicable regardless of work situation. For sure. So I think the, th the thing that I feel most strongly is that every team is different and every team needs something different. And anything you read on the internet that says there's only one way to do this, or there's only one way to build culture, or there's one correct culture and other cultures are worth, I think that's just completely wrong. And so my starting point for this is always figure out what you as a team want. And that's, you know, maybe that's going to be like 70% like as leadership, like what do you think makes sense for your company? And then 30% like, how does that work given what with what the rest of your team wants? Like, I do believe that like culture has to be curated to an extent. So start by figuring out like what you as leadership and the rest of the company want to achieve in your culture and then find out whether or not that's true. I found that a lot of leaders think they have a certain team culture. Even myself, I'm guilty of this. And then when you go and you actually ask everyone on the team, you realize there's all sorts of gaps. For example, something that I really want us to have on our company is a strong written culture of um, you know, just being able to communicate asynchronously, have like rigorous thinking and writing and then collaborate, right, commenting on that writing. And uh, whenever I go take a hard look, I realize there's still yeah. a lot of room to grow for us there. So sorry, so just taking a step back, figure out what you want to achieve as a culture and then go survey your team and figure out where are you meeting that and where actually are you falling short of your own ideals for yourself. And then after you've figured that out, that's when you can start thinking about specific best practices, like specific tools or processes or ideas. Um, I, I, you know, I think that to start too early to think about like, oh, this is a cool habit this other team has, 
uh, is a mistake because that might not actually make sense for your culture. And like, you can only keep so many things in your head. So if you, if you add too many ideas from these different things, I think maybe as a leader, it sounds great, but I think as a normal member of the team that it just may be overwhelming. And sure. results in lowering I, I promise you I had one follow-up question. I, I now have another one. Um, so, so sort of a direct question that, that comes out of that, right, is your team having enough trust in you to give you candid feedback and honest feedback, even if it's something that, that reveals gaps. How have you as a leader fostered yeah. that sort of trust with your team, or do you use third parties to solicit feedback to get you know, the really real feedback that you need? I'm, so that's a great question, and I I think I have a lot of room to grow there. Um, but I'll talk about what's worked, and then why I think there's room to grow. Um, so I found the the best way to get candid feedback. There's no way to get candid feedback immediately, and to get all the candid feedback immediately. But what we can do as leaders is we can be open and incredibly encouraging of the little sort of micro feedbacks that we get. Right. If if a, if a, one of your reports comes to you and gives you some like very small feedback about something relatively safe, if you try to immediately sort of like, you know, talk your way around the problem or avoid it or just say that it's not a problem, you're never going to get any feedback ever. Right. But if every time you get a little piece of feedback, you're interested and curious and you lean in and don't, don't even try to solve it right away, but just lean in and see if there's something deeper and deeper. If you do that once and then twice and then thrice, you'll get bigger and bigger feedback from those people. And so there's some folks on my team who now come to me with like, you know, really existential feedback on a semi-regular basis. And I love it. Uh, and it's always, it's always uncomfortable every time it happens, but it's led to, uh, led to great conversations. And so, for example, now we do a quarterly culture survey and uh, the idea to run that culture survey was not mine. It was actually, it came from a teammate who came to me with like, hey, I think our culture is not very good given that we're trying to build a company a product that is about great culture, like we can grow here. And obviously I felt horrible hearing that, but I lent into it and uh, tried to be more curious about it. And, you know, at the end of that, of a conversation that, uh, that engineering leader, uh, Harriet decided, okay, like I'm going to run this survey and I'm going to run it every time. Right. And when we ran that survey the first time, I remember the results came back and like, in fact, she was right. There, there were a lot of problems. And so, you know, then we had a choice. What do we do? Well, we decided let's just show the team. So we just put them up on a, you know, in a screen share and just showed everyone the bad results. And then the whole team was like gasped, like, wow, we work here. Like, this is horrible. And then the whole team lent in to fix it. And that itself created room for a lot more candid feedback because clearly the company cared and valued it. So in a nutshell, I think the, the biggest thing we can do is, is look out for the small areas of feedback and just try to nurture those into bigger and bigger, more candid feedback. As for why I think we have room to grow, well, we had someone um, leave the company to another job, and we're super happy for them having another great job. In the debrief interview, where I tried to just learn as much as possible about what we, about what we can mm. prove, I got new feedback that was surprising to me. And to me, I was super grateful that the, the person who left gave us that feedback. They didn't have to. Um, but at the same time, I remember thinking, like, how can my co-founder and I and everyone just do a better job of fostering the conversation so that this comes up? before the person leaves, not uh, while they're leaving. Um, so I think it's, it's going to always be a growth area. Yeah. I love the humility that you, that you speak with, Alex, and your willingness to be self-aware and, and say, hey, we do have gaps and, and we are learning and, and we're not perfect, but we're committed to growing. So um, I think that's another huge takeaway that we talk about a lot in this podcast. And, and we certainly try to foster 
at our team as well is is you know sort of this attitude of confident humility and um, being confident in yourself and your team and the product and your understanding of your you know customer consumer market etc. But then also having the humility to recognize, man, we there's a lot of areas where we all fail as people and we can't grow without those painful experiences. So, so I appreciate you uh, you bringing that up, and I think there's a lot of you know, sort of bite-sized nuggets there that a lot of our leaders can take away regardless of their work situation. So not to uh, shamelessly plug for you, but sort of to shamelessly plug for you, for those organizations that are listening and and are really excited and and curious to learn more, how can they reach out to you? How can they learn more about Remotion and, uh, you know, either yourself personally or, or Remotion as an organization? Uh, thank you so much. And by the way, I love that phrase, confident humility. I've never heard it before, but it, I think I'm going to use it. That makes a lot of sense. And that, it's very, sounds very aspirational. Uh, as for finding us, so uh, I myself, um, I'm on the internets, of course. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at, at Embirico. So that's at E-M-B-I-R-I-C-O. And uh, our company is Remotion. Our website is remotion.com. So R-E-M-O-T-I-O-N.com. And my email is alexander at remotion.com. So pick whichever, uh, you know, picks your fancy. If you're interested in using our product or trying it out, um, you can find us on our website. Um, there'll be a little form, a contact form to fill out, and I will see that. Um, just mention how you, you heard about us. Um, and uh, otherwise, you know, just I'd love to love to chat and hear what you thought about this podcast or anything. So email me or find me on Twitter, uh, and I look forward to it. That's fantastic. And we'll certainly include those links in the show notes to this podcast. Um, but Alex, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Is there anything else that you'd love to to leave the listeners of this podcast before we sign off? Uh, I guess just appreciation. Thank you all for being here listening. And thank you, Mike, for, for this great conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Tracy uh, gives her best to everybody. She wasn't able to make this podcast, unfortunately. Um, but for everybody that's listening, would encourage you to uh, find the Building Teams of Teams & Co. podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you could go ahead and give us a five-star review, leave us a comment and, uh, you know, give us a thumbs up or a like that really helps us grow the podcast. And again, we just appreciate to everybody who uh, has been a, a listener for a long time. And for those of you who are new listeners, thanks for tuning in and really would encourage everybody to go check out Alex and the work that he and the, the team are doing over at Remotion. Alex, it's fantastic meeting you. Cannot wait to continue this conversation at some point down the road. Same here. Take care. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co. To learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.